0: Good morning, Chair City Church. So glad to see you here this morning. So, we just finished up about really four weeks from June 30th to uh, July 21st. Four weeks of talking about uh, finding freedom, overcoming, and breaking through. It really was a, an incredible four weeks, uh, record breaking, monumental for us as a church, and what we saw happen in people's lives over those weeks uh, in regards to breakthroughs. The numbers we saw. Uh, you know, for the month of July, continually running up around 350, 370, 400, just uh, for any church in Massachusetts or New England. Uh, that's fantastic for us. It's numbers we had not seen before. We're excited about that. Um, you know, and I've been hearing so many stories about people who have, you know, have this increased self-awareness that there's more for them, more for them in their marriages, more for them in relationships, their, their occupations, their life. There's more of God there, people that are seeing breakthroughs upon breakthroughs in their life. And it is my custom, my nature as a pastor, you know, to kind of, you know, inject what I call... Um, some prudence in all of that, if that's the right word. Uh, you know, I think it's responsible to to include as part of the whole perspective of that a spiritual component in all that pressing on, getting more breakthrough. I, highly likely I refer to it dips and dabs here as we were going through the weeks, but today I want to kind of go to it a little bit more before we go on to the next series. I thought, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to, and, and I sense this week, just, you know, fielding some calls from people, uh, hearing some things, all the good, but then beginning some of the struggles. I'm like, sure, this is how it goes, right? It's a warfare. Uh, and so what happens is, you know, as you go through the breakthroughs, as you have the freedom, as you begin to pursue the more, and there's that exhilaration and that progress and then the realization, huh? and all that, you could have a bad day. Um, um, and, and, and that bad day comes into you. I'm not necess- ne- necessarily saying a setback. Those likely could happen as well. Might not, but they could. That's when you've kind of revisited to some degree uh, a behavior that was kind of holding you back, chaining you down, right? Uh, I'm talking about a bad day where things came into your life, you know, uh, un- just out of nowhere, unexpectedly, It might be the first time you ever had something like that happen to you, but they were negative. They were, um, you know, debilitating, difficult trials, ever sorrows. Uh, And it might not be something of the life-shattering, life-shaking magnitude, but but something just really just began to kind of get you down, you know, make make you heavy, uh, kind of bring you, you know, just to weigh you down, kind of a, you know, bad day type of happenings, right? And so... What we want to do here is that, you know, to, we want to make sure that that bad day doesn't now lead you to a lot of setbacks. That bad day doesn't become a bad week and become a bad season where all of a sudden those moments of realizing there's more, those moments of overcoming and breaking through become so distant. We don't want that. We want you to keep moving forward towards the more and the breakthrough. Huh? I mean, last and so we don't want that to become a bad season. Last Sunday, we came in here. And, uh, you know, Friday and Saturday last week, we had a team of, of people working really diligently to get the, the building ready for the high temperatures, 95, 98 degrees, Saturday and Sunday. They did a great job, a, a bang-up job. And we came in Sunday feeling good here. We're going to be ready for this. And at 7.30... And people came in at 5 in the morning. Everything was like purring, man. And at 7.30, pop, pop, pop. Circuit starts overloading. Breakers start shutting down. Uh, my terminology. You know, lights start shutting off. Videos start shutting down. Speakers aren't working. Kids, all you know, the uh, air conditioning in the kids' room start, you know, shutting down. Whoa. Right? Now people are scrambling. They're going to the uh, the, the electrical panels. They're going to our oh, us you plug. This and our oh, coffee pot's not working. The ladies are like, "Oh, this group cares about their coffee. This group cares about their guitars. This group cares about this," and it's it's just really getting to be kind of like like everybody's trying to keep calm, but you can sense they're kind of the crisis kicking in, and uh, and it happened at 7:30. Kind of they seemingly got it together. Bam! It happens again. Get it? Bam! It happens again, between 7:30 and 10 to 9. It happens five times. And here we are, like, like, I think somewhere almost around 10 to 9, we still did not have some of the major components working here in the auditorium, let alone the air conditioner. Nothing w- wasn't working. And we sort of, the way we boated through all that or waded through it all was just kind of this continual exhortation or professing about, hey, why are we here? In so many words, why are we here? And, w- and what we think God's going to do and what he's going to do, go do with us. And that, you know what? Hey, we know why we're here. We know what we're going to do. And whatever is working or not working, we can still do that, right? And that was, that, that was just a, kind of the, the, the theme through the whole place. This is just how it's going to happen. And actually, even as the team was coming up here, you know, it was like, okay, you're going to start to sing. And if it just all shuts down, finish it out in a cappella. And I'll just come running up and I'll start preaching and we'll go from there. And, and it just, that posture just helped us turn that, quote-unquote, a bad day, right? It, it, it wasn't going well. I thought, I'm just stunned still that we went first and second service and everything stayed on and nothing shut down. Certainly, their hands are some skilled and gifted and committed people here at Church City Church and, and the grace of a God, right? They think that we went through two services and it all stayed together, but what I, I, I was so impressed with was that how good and well everybody's attitude that kept a bad start to what could have been a really bad day, it just contained it and diffused it, right? Whereas if this one would have lost themselves, that one would have lost themselves, it, it just would have spilled. And, and we don't want that to happen to you, right? Because tr- trouble's coming, difficulty's coming. It, it happens. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have told you these things. He had just finished telling his disciples that, hey, persecution's coming. You're going to be scattered. You're going to be blown all over the place. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, meaning feel it, know it, that it resonate in you. Take heart that I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying you're going to have bad days. And, and follow me when you're having good days, but follow me when you're having the bad days as well, huh? There's a song, and some of you are familiar, it says, my mama always told me there'd be days like this, right? Well, Jesus said it before your mama said it. There's going to be trouble. Huh? Days filled with sorrow, pain, uncertainty, bad news, not how you expected it, not the way you wanted it to go. You put all effort into doing this and doing this and look at the outcome. And it's not what it should be. Well, you know, Christy and I, we're six years into our marriage. I've told you kind of a, this before, what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to give you another layer to it in this context. We're six years into our marriage. I mean, that's not a long time to be a husband. I got some air under my wings, but I mean, you know, six years is not a long time. And, and, and living with us is my, our two-year-old son, Justin. So I'm now two years as a dad, so I got less air under my wings. And also living with us is, our nine, is my 92-year-old grandfather. So we got a two-year-old and a 92-year-old in the house at the same time. Listen, that's challenging and kind of comedy at the same time. So, and now Christy also, in the midst of all that, is 10 weeks with child. Right? So that's what I'm living with it. A wife was 10 weeks pregnant, a 2-year-old, and a 92-year-old. And, and now, unlike the other pregnancies, in a sense, the, the, Chrissy's having just what's called complications. Uh, you know, after week six, seven, eight, you know, she's not feeling well, probably closer to 10. And, and it's, you know, convinced, you know, we, we research, study, talk, that it's not a morning sickness thing. So she just doesn't feel well or right. Something's wrong. And now, you know, so she gets up this morning, And I'm helping her. She's getting ready, and I'm helping her and getting her ready to go to the doctors. She can go to the doctors. I'm going to stay back. You know, then, you know, after that, I'm going to help Justin eat and my grandfather eat. I got to cut up both their food into pieces to feed them, right? And uh, Christy goes off, and Justin is, you know, with his waffles, he's just got to fill every stinking little square with his syrup. And then if I'm not looking, he's got to put it like a puddle so he can put his hand in it and stick his hands in the thing. And I got my, so Justin's making a mess. I got my grandfather. He's 92. I'm trying to feed him. He's making a mess, too. And it's just all this, this just craziness going on. Christy comes home, and now the part you're familiar with, many of you, she comes home, she looks at me, and I, man, I'm tired, I'm weary. I, mean, I haven't slept much. I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with Justin, a two-year-old, and my grandfather, and uh, you know, juggling the ministry with the kids in the city and the projects. And, 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 and the day's just, it's a tough start already to the day. And she comes home, and she says, hey, she goes, and she smiles, and I told you, she goes, we're going to have twins, and a and, uh, rough day just got, to me, really crazy, crazy, terribly rough. I was so overwhelmed that really, I, I, I almost collapsed, like I, I physically, my legs buckled, I, I, I did one of those, you know, they had to go and take, forget about the pregnant woman, they had to take me over to the couch and sit me down, true story. And uh, finally, after 20 minutes, I mean, I'm like, this, this tough day just got really tougher for me, man. I can't even envision, like, twi- come on, got two-year-old and 92 twins, kill you. no way, I can't, I can't do this. I go, after 20 minutes, a half hour, I get myself together, I'm like, oh, what, my, my grandfather, my, you know, I go into my grandfather's room to, to check in, and see how he's doing, it was a rough night, I go in and, you know, I, I tell him, I say, hey, Gramps, you know, I, I actually, I kind of pick him up from his bed. I, I take him out of his bed. I carry him. I put him over into his chair, and I sit him up with a pillow, prop him up. And I tell him, hey, Gramps, you know, your Chrissy's going to have twins. And, uh, and he, he looks at me, and he, uh, you know, kind of, you know, closes his eyes, turns his head. A tear comes down his face, and he passes on, right? And that really gets hard that's a tough day, man, right? That's, a, that, that, that's the, my day. I, that's a bad day, man. That, that was a bad day that I might refer to going on that really began kind of a spiraling for me uh, for, for some time. And so, when we have bad days, when we hit what we could perceive as a crisis come into our lives, we tend to respond in certain ways. Huh? One is we become isolated. Right? So, what happens is it, it comes on us unexpectedly, and we're trying to figure it out. Like, what's going on here? How do I handle this, right? We're a bit shocked. We might be unsettled. And when that's happening, our emotions tend to be all over the place, like hour to hour. Some of us, minute to minute, huh? As we're trying to navigate this, huh? And, and, and what's happening now is we, in, that, in those moments, we begin to build walls. Kind of like to just protect ourselves and just keep things at bay. We start building walls. And, and as much as that might serve to keep the bad out, maybe, but it, what it does is it also keeps the good out. So now we're driving this and we're keeping the good out. What I would do, and we're not letting the good in, and therefore we're just, we're just staying focused on the bad, the unfortunate. And we're setting a tone now where we can you know try and control this. What, what, what I would do is, what I did as a result of what happened that day and the events surrounding that day, I began to isolate. Now, when you're a minister, you, you really can't isolate, meaning pe- from people, you know. So I didn't isolate from people. I was amongst people a lot, but I was isolating internally. And what I began to do, what I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to be very surprised if you know me well. I began to make the majority of my decisions and my thoughts and my plans within myself. I stopped reaching out and talking to people. I stopped, you know, and and, uh, not that I did it a lot, but I would do it, you know, to a reasonable degree. Now that surprises some of you because if you know me today, I am really. I emphasize counseling significantly, not only for mental health, for for decisions, any, any kind of a significant decision in your life, you want to be counseling. If you're doing anything, relationally, morally, financially, anything that's going to be of a significant magnitude, wow, you want to be counseling in that. The Bible says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. Huh? usually, usually, some of the greatest heartaches, difficulties, hardships that I see in people's life, when you look at the beginning, there was a lack of counseling, right? Seeking out others who experience experienced, had gone down that road, godly, know you, love you, get in there. Well, so now I'm, I'm huge on it, not just to tell you, but it's what I do personally. But now here I am. And, and the reason why I am like this is because of this season in my life. Because I would then endure, I would make poor decisions. I would go to places of deep, deep pain, I would go to a time of feeling incredibly disconnected from God and not blaming God. Just, just, it's just not there. What I had never experienced that in my time. I, I came to Craith and I was like a, a lightning bolt, man. Bam, knowing Jesus, changing life, transformation, getting involved in ministry. I, I, you know, I used to joke like I had the mightiest touch, man. Anything I connected with, with God and ministry just would light up and now it's like Dead. I mean, like, I would sit, honestly, I didn't say this verse, I would sit in a park a lot of times, just sit there and cry for, like, 15, 20 minutes, a half hour, just cry. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't even know what, I, well, I don't even know what to do anymore. None of it, just, what's happening? And, and holding nothing against God, not doubting God, just something is terribly wrong in me. What is wrong? And it stemmed from this bad day becoming a bad season, and I had isolated I was trying to figure it all out and make all the decisions within myself. And then after that, although I didn't go here, not at first, towards the very, very end, when I actually was coming out of it, out of a bit of a frustration, a little bit, we want explanation. Why God? Why is this happening? Why me? Huh? We want an explanation, you know, from God. And, and you know what? Maybe when you get through those bad days and those bad times and you look back, you might have some clarity. You might kind of say, oh, I know why that happened now. Or now I see how it fit in with the piece, you know, pieces of the puzzle. But there's a good chance you might not. Meaning you're just not going to get all the answers on this side of heaven. Only in eternity when we see Jesus face to face and we are glorified, when well, we see the totality of it all. And, and when we don't get those answers, and, 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 and we're in the bits of that isolation, now you know what happens? We get angry. We get angry. First, we might get angry with ourselves. I should have did this. I, I should have said that. I shouldn't have done this. Then we might get angry with others around us, you know, maybe shifting blame, whatever it is. We get angry. And then, of course, we now drift to getting angry with God. We might not articulate it. Some do. That's unusual, but we're getting angry. And you know how I've seen this kind of play out in people's lives, this anger with God, which goes into a displeasure with God? The next thing we do is we reject God. And I wonder even that I had kind of, tapped into this a little bit but I see it happen in a lot of people's lives is what I mean by we reject God is we begin to discount his effectiveness we begin to think he's insufficient as we are now mapping it all out you know on how to deal with this bad day bad week bad month boom 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 we now we discount the effectiveness of a holy powerful mighty God in our lives we think you know what Okay, I know you love me. I know you call me. I know you've given me that breakthrough, but now look what's going on, and you know what? I, really, our actions dictate, I think you're insufficient. I don't think you're good enough for this, and in a sense, I'm just rejecting all of, you know, or a good chunk of who you are in my life, huh? Meaning, how come this happened? Why didn't you help? Why did you allow these things to take place right now? Huh? So in our pain and in our problem and in our troubles, we are pushing God away. And in the reality is, it's there most of all when we should be inviting God in, yes? It's then when we want to invite God in. Because Jesus said, there's going to be pain. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be problems. He says, in me. Take heart in me, you'll overcome this, because I've overcome them. You'll have peace in me. And so we want to invite Jesus into that pain and trouble and problem because of what he said in John 16, 33. Take heart, take heart. Don't take anxiety. Don't take depression. Don't take anger. Take heart. In what I have done, I have overcome the problems of this world. So have peace. Have peace in me. There's a story in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Good story. And it talks about a tough day, a bad day in the life of a man named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. Israel is kind of like northern and southern. It, when they it came to a place of disunity, the southern part of Israel was called Judah. And so Jehoshaphat gets up one day and he gets the news that there are three enemy armies coming to advance and attack his kingdom. That's a problem, right? So, in that moment, King Jehoshaphat shows us how to handle a bad day, a crisis that's unexpectedly come upon us. The first thing Jehoshaphat would tell us is this lift our eyes. When he gets the news, he lifts his eyes to God. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3 through 4 says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news. Meaning, hey, the guy, the guy bleeds and he breathes. He's human. He says he's terrified. Some translations say he's alarmed. He's alarmed by the news and, and, he, and he begs the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So don't eat but pray. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was alarmed, he's afraid, filled with fear. I Me, mean, I mean filled with fear. You might know that also is anxiety, overwhelming worry, right? Same breed of horse, different colors. And he prays, he pauses and he prays. We we get that pause thing in there again, right? He doesn't run away from the problem, he's not distracting from the problem. He doesn't actually go out and attack the problem. He's just now seeking God. He seeks God. He lifts his eyes to God. Often in our bad way, we just don't know how to get going. We don't know how to move in the direction of God. It's not usually our first step. Rather than respond with a pause and a praying and a seeking of God, right, we just run at it or run away from it instinctively and now that bad day usually gets worse because we're not comforted we're not in peace we're in anxiety we're in anger we're all over the place and then we see in 2nd chronicles chapter 20 verse 6 through 12 Jehoshaphat kind of gets going with God he 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 prays to God it's it's a known prayer in scripture i'm going to read it to you it's a bit lengthy he says O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms on of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. He's praying to God. He says, we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us? They have come to throw us out of our land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Wow. This this prayer, this deep prayer, gives us some insight, gives us a few things on How Jehoshaphat is praying on how we can pray to God when we come upon a bad day. One, remember how big God is. That's what he's doing. In the midst of realizing the trouble that has come upon you, pause and remember how big God is. That's what Jehoshaphat is doing here over and over. He's remembering how mighty. Oh God, you are powerful, you are mighty. Next, remember this: remember, God has never failed you. He has not, and He will not. God has not failed you. And again, that's what Jehoshaphat is recounting. He's like he's he's professing what God has done and what God has said He was done, and how God has kept promises and and what God said He would do, and how this. He God. He's reminded God has not failed us. He's praying out loud so others will hear him. Those who have gathered. Remember, my friends, God has not failed you. And then third, remember what God has promised. You see him speaking out, this is the land you promised us. This is what you told us. Remember God's promise. Promise that you'd have joy. Promise for peace. Promise for eternal life. Remember the promises of God. When you pause, when the bad day comes upon you. Versus just running out and at it or running away from it. The trouble or the difficulties, the crisis, the calamity, whatever it is, again, it just might be things that turned out not in the way that you wanted to and how that can spiral unless you just pause and go to the prayer of such kinds. Thank God that he's bigger and greater than what you're facing. Thank God that he's not failed you and know that he's not intending to fail you and will not thank God for his promises. If you must write some of these down on index cards, the promises of God, the ones that you know you hold dear to, put them on your phone in an index card. You can do it digitally. Put it anywhere, but just reference these promises of God. Jehoshaphat did not know the outcome of the story. We know the outcome, but he didn't know. But what he did was he went right to God. So he tells us to lift our eyes to God, to seek God. And then Jehoshaphat tells us to exchange our thoughts. Yeah. You see, at first Jehoshaphat was afraid at first. He had these thoughts of these dominating, He says, mighty armies coming down. He's like, we can't beat them. They're going to crush us. What do I do? And it says he was alarmed, he was afraid. And how, here we have now in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, God, Holy Spirit, God pours his word into a, a man present there who then speaks out to the assembly of people and to Jehoshaphat, the king himself. And he says this, he said to Jehoshaphat, He, God, is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Now, God sends Jehoshaphat a message through this man, right? So he starts out with thoughts of being afraid, and now he's hearing these words of being courageous, not to worry, not to be discouraged, not to be afraid. Look, when a bad day comes on you, it is nature to go towards concern, to go towards worry, to go towards anxiety, to go to a fear, right? You want to pause and you want to exchange those thoughts with the, with God's truth, with God's thoughts. You want to entertain, you want to embrace the possibilities and the hope you have in God. And we just said that last week will almost always counter the incomplete picture you are putting together quickly with your thoughts of anxiousness and worry and concerns and fear. Exchange those thoughts for godly powerful thoughts, exchange it for Jesus saying, take heart, I have overcome the world, and you can have peace in me. Surround yourself with God's people. Don't isolate. When Jehoshaphat is hearing this, he's hearing it from someone who's amongst him, from the assemblies of people. Get together. When the bad day comes on you, it's your truth. I see this, you know, I, well, how come you didn't come to church on Sunday? And I'm just not somebody who kind of gets on, beats on people about not being in church on Sunday. I know it's significant. You, you, you can't live out a significant chunk of the New Testament unless you're a meaningful part of the body of Christ. It, it is what it is. You can't. You cannot live out a significant part, a, a major part of the New Testament, unless you are an integral part of a body of Christ at church. You cannot. Though, what happens I'll out so, hey, ah, oh, you know, I just, yeah, I got up, it, things weren't going well. Oh, you know, I just was having a bad day. And, and, and it's like, wow, and not in a condemning way, it's like, I'm like, well, this is exactly where you want to be. You, you know, you don't, you, when you're having a bad day, you want to come together. And, and whether it's a church on a Sunday or a, or, or a small group, why do you, you know, we're, a, we're getting to be a larger and larger church. But we're a church of small groups. Not only all the spaces, that's where we have, I say, all well, the spaces when we planned and built this, is that people could stop and hang out in all the spaces we have around here. Right? There's a lot of lobby space. All by when you do kids' check and there's all that space there to there. I don't have an office, so you guys can hang out and talk with coffee. It's the truth. That's how important it is that you would connect to one another. When we do the life groups, you know, that, that people would come together in small groups and they would get to know each other and become familiar with each other and, and, and that they would jump on teams and, and serve and further get to know each other when our teams, sometimes anytime we're doing anything, we're like, okay, how will people serve here and how can that happen in a way way they can get to know each other? Sometimes we create things to do, not to keep busy, but we see an opportunity where people can get involved in and get to know each other. That's how we drive everything we do here. How can they get to know each other better if we do this? How can they get involved in a meaningful way where they can serve and see God work in their lives amongst each other? When something goes down in somebody's life and I get the call, two things. What team are they on? What small group are they in? What team are they on? And then if not, do I have the time to work with this? And if I do, I will. If not, I won't. You know? But I'm hoping that when I get the call that this is happening in life, their father has died, their mother has died, this is happening in life, this is going on in their life, this is what's happening, the first thing I go to, what team are they on, what small group are they in? And then I would pop it right out to those groups, hey, this is what's happening in so-and-so's life. And it's just a wonderful thing. It's such a catalyst that happens as people connect to each other, praying, they have a certain way to pray for each other now. Uh, they'll, they'll get visited. Sometimes they'll get a meal, whatever. you They're know they, they get, you know, they're in a hospital. Somebody connect with them. This is life. Yeah, you know we, we are in the process of going out things in an organizational way. That's cool. I like that because I, I really want to harvest people's gifts. But listen, by and large, this is awesome. People just caring for people not only using the giftings God has given them to minister, to serve others as ambassadors of Christ, but now the people who are receiving it. And all because they say, you know what, I'm not going to let this bad day keep me from all of this. Stay amongst the people of faith. Don't live out your life apart from your church and the community of Christ. Don't try and handle this alone. You are not meant to do that. The word doesn't call you to do that. You're shortchanging yourself, your marriage, your kids, your faith absolutely positively all day long. And your bad days are going to be heavier and they're going to last longer. Not what God wants for you. He's got more for you, yeah? So the next thing we want to do when working through a bad day is we want to surrender our control. Truly, truly one of the hardest. We want to surrender our control. This is what I struggled with once I went there. After that time with my grandfather, I just took control, man. And the more I took control, the worse the things got. And the worse things got, the double down, and the more I took control. Second Chronicles Chapter 20, verse 18, it says, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. Somebody was telling me earlier, wow, notice he did it, and the people followed. And they were worshiping the Lord. Now, Jehoshaphat was a a great general, And he's so overwhelmed with his need of God and the presence of God that now you see him, he's surrendering to the goodness. I want to say this again. He's surrendering to the goodness of God. He's surrendering to God's promises and God's power. That's what we are surrendering to. That's what we're going low to. Rather than going high, right, And getting high on ourselves or getting high on anything we can get our hands on, right, to distract us from dealing with the bad day, from handling the bad day, he goes low, prostrates himself, humbles himself before God. It is good to get low with Jesus. You hear me? It is good to humble yourself. The Bible says to cast your cares upon God for he cares for you, right? Today, don't carry the weight. Just don't carry that burden, huh? Surrender that to God. Begin to picture and envision, to picture and envision God taking that from you as you're speaking it out to God, as you're casting your cares and your worries, professing them and speaking them out to God. Know that he cares for you. Care is not compassion. Compassion is I have have thoughts and emotions that are attached to your difficult situation or your need. That's compassion. Care is I'm actually going to do something about it. I care for you. I'm going to put some, as I say, legs on my prayers now and get into this with you, okay? I'm going to do something. God cares for you. And he's not, it's not just any care. It's the care of a mighty and a powerful God, yes? Don't be thinking, what am I going to do now? How am I going to get this done? How is this going to be resolved? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to carry this? How is this going to hit my reputation? Uh, just stop it. Just stop and pause. Mm, so you know what? I'm going low, baby. I'm going low with Jesus. I'm humbling myself before God. What a beautiful place to be, huh? And I'm surrendering to my God right now, huh? And this bad day is going to begin to see resolution. It's going to, and it's going to, and the devil's going to be discounted. He's going to be rejected, not my God. You see the difference? We're rejecting Satan. We're rejecting his da- demons. We're discounting them, right? And we are exalting the one true God in our lives. The last thing Jehoshaphat does is, and we need to do it when we're having a bad day, a crisis comes on us, is to trust our God. It's kind of like the other side is running. We want to trust our God. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 20 through 21. It says, early in the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, you got to get this here, okay? I want you, I want, I'm going to leave you with this. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. He's telling this, Ready? He says, believe in the Lord your God. Last week we said what you believe in, you're going to behave, right? How you believe is how you're going to behave. He says, believe in the Lord your God. When you're having a bad day, pause and stop and believe in your God. He says, when you do that, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. They haven't started fighting. Nothing's been won. And here they are singing, praising God. And this is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. I could see the singers going ahead saying, give thanks to the Lord. And then all the soldiers saying, for his love endures forever, right? Amen. And here he is. This is Jehoshaphat leading into battle. And what he's saying here is, hey, you know what? Here's the We're not just going to worship God in the moment that calamity and difficulty comes upon us. We're not just worshiping God to find a way out. We're worshiping God for the victory. We're going to worship him now. We're going to worship him on the way to the battle. We're going to worship him in the battle. We are just going to keep going and we are going to hold on to our God, yes? That's your way out. That's your way to keep the breakthrough going. That's the way to continue finding that freedom. That's the way to continually to overcome and to hold on to what God has given you and that's your way to more that he has for you. Keep praising him. Keep thanking him. Keep realizing that it is his love that endures forever. It is not your anxiety that is to endure forever. It is not your depression. It is not your selfishness. It is not your fear. It is not your financial calamity that is to endure forever. It is not the problem in your marriage that is meant to endure forever. It is God's love and his faithfulness that is meant to endure forever. Are you hearing me? And that's what you got to speak into that difficulty that's come into your life in that day. And it's what you keep speaking, you keep professing, and you lead with that. You don't run to the battle with you in control, with you isolating yourself, with you trying to figure out a way, with you just being fed and fueled by thoughts of worry and anxiety, or anger or difficulty, or just whatever it is. No, you want to run to the battle, professing and worshiping God. With him in control, trusting in him and giving thanks and knowing that his love is going to endure. If you get anything, get this, your difficulty will not endure. If you don't trust in God, that difficulty will end and another one will come up. But God's love endures. God's love is what endures. God loves you. God loves you. His love endures through it all. Inject that, infuse that into your heart and mind at the beginning of a bad day. Now listen, before you can surrender and control and trust in God, you've got to take that step of surrendering your life to God, of, of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We had someone come in last week, as we often do, in a crazy hot weekend, 95, 98 degrees July, Somebody comes in and professes faith in Jesus Christ last week. How awesome is that? Huh? Amen. Happens a lot. I just thought I'd let you know that. What a beautiful thing that was. So today is your day to take that step, to say, you know what? I am giving up control. I am not gonna be running into things in my life with with a, a worry and inconsistency and emotionally unregulated all over the place. I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not going to put up walls. I'm not going to isolate. No, no. I'm going to go low today so that God, it says in First Peter that when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will raise us up. Oh, man, that's powerful. So you go low today and you humble yourself, and you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You turn from the way you were living, which was apart from God, in opposition to God. We call it sin, and you know and you believe that Jesus gave his life on a cross. He shed his blood so that you would be made right. What that means is his blood covers your sin, that when God looks down on you right now, as you are believing in Jesus, he sees the great, perfect, work of his son in you he sees the righteousness of christ on you you are right before god it's a beautiful place to be and now you're moving out into the more that god has for you listen today don't run from god i was talking to somebody earlier and and they were sharing with you what's happening in their life they're not coming to church and i said you know I, i think you're wrestling with god and he paused and he waited for like a long minute he said you know what i think i'm running from god I said, you know, I think you're right, actually. He said, I'm running from God. Today, don't run from God when you have a bad day. It's exhausting. It's going to be overwhelming. Know that God is with you. God is with you because his love endures forever, and he is faithful. Thank him and rest in him today. And you know what? You are going to get through your bad day And God is going to glorify himself in you. And you then, and here's the great part, one day God will use you to help somebody else get through their bad day. Yes? To God be the glory.